we are continuing in our study in the book of Joshua. So I've shared before, and I'll say it again, if you want to know what to do to be prepared this summer for our summer sermon series, is read through the book of Joshua. When you've read through it, read through it again. Today, what we're looking at is Joshua chapter 2. We're looking at the time when those early spies got sent into the land to see this place that God was sending the children of Israel for the purpose of establishing their homes. And it's hard to imagine what it must have been like to have gone 40 years in the wilderness, and now you're coming to this place where you're going to establish communities, you're going to establish a government, you're going to establish your religion, you're going to have your temple that's going to be built, eventually they'll have a king, you know, all of the things that lie before them. But at this point, they're literally just coming in to see what's there and and what God has in store for them. And in the process, they make the most unusual of first relationships. They meet a woman named Rahab, and she's a prostitute. And what's interesting is she becomes the first person that becomes a convert to faith in God in a community and in an area where people are completely pagan in their beliefs and no one understands who Yahweh God is, who the Lord God of the universe is. And so as these people come into this town of Jericho, it's first Rahab that they encounter. And I'm not going to read through the text, but I do encourage you to look at it later and and reread it. And if you have your Bibles, to turn to it as we work our way through the passage. But We're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 through 15, and then also verse 21 in in our scriptures. What I'd like to begin with is to get us thinking about how our life is in the 21st century. And as I was thinking about this this last week, I realized that life is a lot more like Rhode Island than it is like Massachusetts. Now, why do I say that? Well, when I first moved to Rhode Island, and I lived there for 10 years, one of the things that we discovered is Rhode Island is all about the bridges. Those beautiful, expansive bridges that go from the mainland to one island and then to another island. If it isn't for those bridges, you are completely, people are separated from each other. Massachusetts, I know we do get our bridges that go over a river or whatever, but we really are all just one piece of property here. and, And so, sort of, there's a difference between being in a location versus being on an island. Today, life for many people, ourselves included, and people that we will encounter is much more like living on an island. We have our own thoughts, our own experiences, our own traditions, our own faith, our assumptions that we make on how we live our lives. And when we get to know someone else or talk to somebody else, we discover that they are very different and have very different backgrounds, different ideas, and different ways of viewing the world than we do, more so than it used to be. Americans used to feel like we had a lot in common, and we're starting to realize we have a lot not in common with others. If you think, again, of Rhode Island, you have the mainland, and then you have the big island, which is actually a Aquidneck Island, but the first explorer who discovered it and back in the 16th century thought it looked like the Isle of Rhodes over in Greece, and so it got nicknamed Rhode Island, and of course that's a name that sticks. 
the entire state is now called Rhode Island. But Rhode Island, if you live in Rhode Island and you live on Aquidneck Island, people are quick to point out that that's the real Rhode Island because that's the island with that name. There's also, in the state of Rhode Island, another major island, Conicut Island. In order to get back and forth to encounter people in a different place, you need to have the bridges. That's what we are as Christians. We are the people who have our faith and our beliefs and understand who we are. We encounter others who come from a completely different perspective, and it's our responsibility to build the bridges. Hearing the connection? We have the right, the privilege, and the opportunity to build bridges with other people. People who view the world very differently than you and I. People who don't come with the same assumptions of faith that we have. In fact, a lot of times what we're going to discover as we get to know other people in our culture today, even people in our own families, many of the things that we just take for granted, things, I'll give a basic one, Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. We will come in contact with people who don't even know that basic idea. And so it's important for us to learn to build bridges so we can bear witness to our faith because the idea of the book of Joshua is to learn to go, to advance, to move forward in our life and to share who God is to us with others. Now, there's been experiences I've had that has made me become more and more aware, and I'm sure you've had your own experiences, where you've come in contact with people and you assume that they know certain things or have certain perspectives only to discover how far apart we are. The first time I really saw this was about 20 years ago when I was asked to do a funeral. And Brad called me up on the phone as a local funeral director and he asked me if I'd do this particular funeral. I said, of course. And I asked what the person's religious background was. I really was asking, like, were they a Methodist? Were they Baptist? Had they gone to the Catholic Church? Why was I being asked to do this funeral? And he said, oh, they had no church background, no faith, no religion at all. I said, really? He said, yeah, they, they, nothing at all, but their family has requested a Christian pastor to come in and do the service. And I realized that I was dealing with a family that had no background and assumptions of any of the things that I just assumed that people knew and people lived by and people had as faith and relationships in their life. That wasn't the only time that I had an experience like that. One time I was out in Ohio and I was flying home on an airplane and, and on the trip back I got to know the person who was sitting beside me. Surprise, surprise, surprise. I struck up a conversation. Who would have ever thought I would do such a thing? But I did and got talking to this woman and told her life story. I told my life story, got to know a little bit about each other. She found out I was a pastor, and she said, oh, that's a very important profession. I smiled, and I said, thank you. I said, what church do you go to? Oh, I don't go to church. I said, oh, okay. And I said, so why do you say it's such an important profession? She said, well, I'm not religious. I've really never gone to church. My husband's never gone to church. But when we got married, we wanted to have a religious wedding, so we hired one of you to come do our wedding. What you do is really important. And again, I realized I was encountering a person who had no faith, no, no understanding of any of the basics of things that I knew and I understood or what we live out as Christians, and all I could do is build a bridge. All I could do is 
be a person who could try to, in that short period of time, build a relationship and pray and trust that God would continue to work in this person's life and, and hope that this person would someday come to faith and, and get connected with a, a church and a, and a community of believers. Today's text is about the children of Israel encountering a culture like modern America. Hear that, folks? We look at the Bible, and we look at these stories, and we make assumptions there also. We assume that because we're reading about people of faith, that everybody around them had faith. That is not the case at all. As Joshua is coming into the Promised Land, they're having to build bridges everywhere because they are experiencing people who have no understanding of who God is, no understanding of who Yahweh is, the creator of the heavens and the earth. They go into a very pagan culture, and whether you're looking at the Old Testament or you come into the New Testament, you get the same thing. And so when we live our lives today, and we go back and we look at the Bible, let's realize we're reading about a time much closer to ours than what maybe we experienced 30 years ago when it seemed like everybody we knew had a faith and had a church and had a church background. And so now the thing that's asked of us is how do we build bridges? How do you and I as Christians live out our faith in our communities with our family, with our friends, and our workplace so that we become part of God's process of bringing God's love and grace into other people's lives? And it begins that we build bridges because we understand that they are needed everywhere. Hear that? They are needed everywhere. The need is all around us. Go to work, you're going to experience people who are not people of faith. Hang out with your neighbors in your neighborhood, you're going to find people who have no faith. Go look in your workplace, anywhere we go. We're going to discover that God has ministry opportunities for us absolutely everywhere. The question is whether we will do what God invites us to do. And it begins with building bridges. And that's what we see in verse 1 when Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men in secretly from Shittim, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So now they're coming into this place. They're crossing the Jordan River, and they're coming to see what's in this city. So they went in, and they came to the house of the most unusual person who would become the first believer that the children of Israel encounter, a woman the text says named Rahab, was a prostitute, a harlot. Now, if you and I were writing the story and we were trying to figure out how God's kingdom is going to be advanced, that's probably not where we would start. We'd say, well, let's get the mayor of the city to become the person that they encounter and come to faith. But that's not what happens. They go into the community and the first person that they are able to build a bridge with and get to know is this woman's Rahab. She becomes the first convert. Really, when we think of our faith and we think of the ways in which people come to faith in God, we understand certainly the whole movement in the Old Testament with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Eventually, we get the people who are settled in Egypt, and, and they come out into the desert. They spend their 40 years. They finally are coming into the promised land. This is the first person who becomes a believer, this woman named Rahab. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about her background other than she was a harlot, a prostitute. But we do learn that she comes to faith, and we see what happens in her life after this. We would uh, uh, imagine with, with 
probably great clarity that she was certainly not a person that people thought well of. She was a person who would have been about as low in social standing in that time as anybody would have been. And yet the spies, those who come into the land, they build a bridge with her. They get to know her. They reach out to her. But in building this bridge, they discover something else that we all need to understand when we build bridges with others. They also let her build a bridge with them. And sometimes as Christians, that's what we miss. If you and I are to build relationships with other people, we also need to be open to learning from them and have them have an impact into our lives. Because otherwise, we're just out there telling everybody else what to do, and nobody wants to hear that from us. And so as you look at this story, you discover not only do they reach out to her, and not only are they the ones who are able to bring her into faith, and eventually the city of Jericho gets destroyed. She and her family are going to be saved. They're able to do that for her, but she also is able to protect them and, and hide them for a time period, and then eventually help them get out of the city, and then she hangs a scarlet rope down. That's why we have the scarlet rope on our cross today, to remind us of that. And we have little scarlet bracelets that we're going to hand out after worship for you to take with you, to be reminded that everywhere God has bridges for us to build, people for us to get to know, but not only to do stuff for them, but to let them reciprocate and help us, so that they're honest and true relationships we build with others. The question really becomes is, where do you need to build a bridge? Who are the people that you, in your life, that God's got on your heart, that you need to build a bridge with and get to know better and, and to be able to truthfully share your faith with? And what's holding it up? Is it that you're unwilling or I'm unwilling to reach out to others? Or is it that we're unwilling to let them be important to us? And if they have something that they can share with us, if we just shun it and shut it down, we don't have that opportunity to really help other people see the value and the worth that they are. It's a two-way thing. It's not just Christians going into the world and being do-gooders and telling everybody else something. It's about building these genuine relationships. My dad used to tell the story of the guy who always was doing good for his friend, always doing stuff for him. And finally, one day, his friend said, you know, I'd like to take you out to lunch. And the original guy who was always doing for his friend said, Oh, no, that's okay. And he goes, no, I really would like to do something for you for once. So they go out to lunch, and he says, I'd like to split the ticket. And the first guy goes, no, no, we'll, I'll pay for the whole meal. I'm taking you out. Well, let me buy dessert. And the guy goes, no, you're always doing stuff for me. I'd like to do something for you for once. The bill comes, and he goes, how about if I leave the tip? The first person says, no. You always are doing stuff for me. You take me out to lunch. You're great, and you're a good friend. For once, I just want you to receive from me. And he says, as they're walking out to the car, the guy who gets taken out to lunch says, oh, just a second. He runs back in. He buys mints, and he hands them, and he goes, here, I wanted you to know I appreciated the lunch. My dad's point is some people just can't receive. Building bridges is giving and receiving. It's allowing other people to also know that they have something to offer to us as we seek to get to know them. Because when we do that, as these people did with Rahab, she starts realizing they really do care about her. They do treat her as a genuine human being, not as an object 
the way everybody else had treated this woman in her life. It's about learning what it really means to build bridges in our lives. And when we build our bridges, we start to discover that you and I have much in common with the people that we get to know. That's one of the most alarming things, I think, about the 21st century and the way in which Christians are seeking to live. We act as if we have one kind of life and everybody else out there is different from us, and that's causing quite a bit of problems in this world for how people start viewing us as Christians. Amen? Because if all people see is that we somehow think we're different from everybody else, there's nothing healthy and nothing good in that, and that is not how God invites us to live our lives. And so as these guys get to know Rahab, it's interesting if you look at verse 13, what she says to them. She knows that this city is going to be destroyed, and what does she say? Spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver all of our lives out of death. In other words, we don't know why Rahab was a prostitute, but we do know that her family mattered to her. You hear that? She had relationships that were as precious and special to her as the relationships of these children of Israel who are coming into the promised land who want to be there for the purpose of building communities so they can raise their families, and now they experience a woman who they would have thought that they had nothing in common with until they get to know her, and they discover the number one thing on her heart, she just cares about her family too. That's what happens when we really build bridges with others. We stop seeing others as them, and we start seeing how much we have in common with other people, and people who maybe they think we don't have anything in common with them, and we start realizing how similar we are. And then God can start doing work. When you take time to get to know people, learn their story. Learn who they are. Learn what matters to them. It doesn't matter if we're doing a homeless meal or if we are doing something in our recovery ministry or inviting somebody to a Bible study or just getting to know a neighbor. It's not just about us telling somebody else something or reaching out to someone else. It's about genuinely building relationships so that as Christians, we start being people who care about others. And when we start finding what we have in common, we are able to speak into each other's lives and to listen to each other and build, bring down those barriers that separate us. Our society is so separated. And people act as if, if, if I have this particular belief here, then I'm different from everybody else. Or if I have this particular political opinion here, then everybody else is different from me. And that's not what the scripture teaches us. We are all very similar to each other. And yes, we have a faith in Christ and, and a loving God who's forgiven us, and we have much to offer others. But we better begin out of a sense of what we have in common in learning other people. Years ago, when I was living in Lincoln, Rhode Island, I call this my Rhode Island sermon since I refer to that time a couple of times in this message. In our little town of Lincoln, we heard in North Smithfield there was going to be a new mosque that was being built. Now, again, you've got to go back. This is in the 1990s. And this was big news. It was a Muslim mosque coming into the community. Nobody knew any of the people who were building the mosque. And then pretty soon, people started saying to me and noticing 
that there were some Muslim business owners who owned businesses or had purchased businesses on Front Street in downtown Lincoln. The only thing that God said to me is get to know your new neighbors. Figure out who these people are. They're going to have a mosque in, in North Smithfield. Get to know the people. Get to build relationships. So I started going to the store. There's a, it was actually a little bread store that these guys owned. And I started talking to them, get to know them a little bit. And pretty soon I asked them, who's your imam? Could I meet him? And so they introduced me to the imam. And then when the mosque was built, he invited me in and showed me proudly all the work that they did in their mosque and, and talked to me about a little bit about what their particular mosque was there for, why they had chosen that place. I invited him to a men's group in our church, and he got to know the men in our church because I figured, isn't that what Jesus asked us to do? No, what Jesus did, he just went and built bridges with people. He just got to know people. And it has to begin by our building and building relationships with others. And what I discovered is so much of the stuff that they cared about and this Iman cared about was similar stuff to what I cared about. I still remember when I said to him, what's the number one thing that's an issue for you? And he goes, Hollywood. I said, Hollywood? He goes, yeah, we're really concerned how Hollywood is tainting the moral beliefs of our children. I said, you're just like our church. That's what people in our congregation tell us. And in building bridges and getting to know each other, do I know that people in that mosque came to faith in Christ? I have no idea. That's God's business, how things went. I do know that I shared my faith, and I was very clear with what I believed and who I was as a Christian, and we had an honest conversation about the different ways and how we view Jesus and we did it out of a sense of caring about each other and getting to know each other and being able to have a real, honest conversation. You see, when we get to know other people, they're not different from us. They're the same concern. The people who were building the mosque in North Smithfield, Rhode Island, wanted to raise their families. They wanted to practice their faith. They wanted their children to grow up and have strong families. They wanted to keep relationships with their children. And they wanted their kids to get a good education. Didn't sound a whole lot different than the people in our church. But if we don't get to know people and if we don't build bridges, you know what we do is we just other everybody. That's the other person. They're different from me. That's not what God invites us to do. And that's not what we see as the children of Israel are coming in to the promised land. Where are you letting God surprise you in relationships with people that maybe you were surprised? Maybe you didn't know that this was going to be somebody that God was going to bring into your life. We should all have those areas in our life. People we get to know that it kind of surprises us that God brought this person into my life. And now, wow, what a blessing they become. But you know, as I read the story, I'm still kind of troubled by one thing. I get that they get to know Rahab. And I get that she starts to have faith and she starts believing. But I also find it interesting that she lied. The Bible tells us a number of times, in fact, that she lied. So much so that when people come and ask her, now, she was, it's okay that she hid the people and she provides safety for them, but she out lies to everybody who, who comes to her. Did you see these people? No, I don't know who they were. I, I don't know where they came from. Well, she knew exactly where they came from. Do you know where they went? No, I have no idea where they went. I think they, they, they left the city. Well, all the while she'd put them up on the roof, and the Bible will tell you in chapter 2 that 
that she had some wheat stalks that she had them hide under. And then she even says, why don't you go pursue out there and go after them? You'll probably catch them all the while knowing that they weren't going to catch them out there, that they were still in the city. So I find it fascinating that in the midst of them building this relationship with this woman and this woman starting to break down barriers and starting to express some faith, that she still was a dishonest person. And it was okay to her to, to not be truthful. And I think the text is pretty clear about that. But I'll come back to that. Because you see, when we build bridges, we do discover what we have in common. But if we're really going to be bridge builders, we also need to follow through. We can't just build a bridge and say that I care about you and then never show up. One of my favorite sayings is, showing up is everything. Hear that? It's not 90%, it's 100%. Showing up is everything. When our kids are getting picked up after school, are we sitting in the line waiting for our children showing up or are we the last ones who are there that the coach and everybody's waiting for, wondering, gee, I wonder when this kid's parents are going to show up? When we make a promise to do something in our community, do we do it? Do we show up and provide the meal? Even if nobody comes to get the free meal, and we've said we're going to provide a meal, are we there and make sure that that meal is there? Because that's what we have control over. That's our responsibility. You see, follow-through is everything. It's one of the first things I teach people when they start a small group in our church. I always say, you have no guarantee how many people are going to come to a small group other than one. That's you who's leading the small group. If you're going to have a faith group and faith community church, you might be the only one who shows up for a while, but if we just keep showing up, eventually things always have a way of working out and people will get involved. Well, that's the same thing that we see in our text in building bridges. And these spies, as they go in and they get to know Rahab, she asks them a basic question. Verse 12, Now therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I've dealt kindly with you, that you will deal kindly with me. In other words, she's saying, just promise me that you're going to keep up on your end of the bargain. I'm willing to get to know you. I'm willing to trust you. But she asks a very simple question. Are you trustworthy? Are you a person of your word? This woman who's the first person who's going to come to faith, the person who God's obviously working in her life, has the same question that everybody has when we build bridges with them. Can I rely on you? Are you a person who, when you say you're going to do something with me or for me, really does it? Or am I just going to get a phone call and say, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Let me tell you now. They promised Rahab that they would help her and she could count on them. Yes, we need to go and build bridges. Yes, we need to be people who reach out to others. But if they're going to not fail, if the relationships we build are going to be genuine and impactful, we need to always be willing to keep our end of the bargain. Otherwise, we become like the famous foreshore freeway bridge in Cape Town, South Africa. In the 1960s, it was decided that a new bridge was needed because the 
traffic was getting a little bad. And so a lot of plans were made in Cape Town to build a new bridge. And by the 1970s, this new bridge got started. And in 1977, they stopped the bridge. They stopped construction. And so today, if you go and you look, if you Google it after church, you can look at this bridge, you'll see that the bridge is like halfway built, and it's up in the sky somewhere, and they never finished it. It's really the ultimate bridge to nowhere because it got started but never ended. That's unfortunately what happens if we don't follow through. Bridges become not workable. They don't make a difference. If we reach out to our neighbor, if we reach out to our family, if we deal with someone else and we don't follow through, even those initial efforts really don't make a difference. Because the only time that God truly can use the bridges that we build with others is when we do our part and we show up. So why is it that bridges fail? One reason is because we fail to build them and fail to realize that they're needed everywhere. Why also do they fail? Because we fail to really get to know other people and discover what we have in common. But the other reason why they fail and, and why we have a hard time in building great relationships with people who are different from us or have different values or view the world differently than us is because we don't follow through. We don't keep up our end of the bargain. But I still come back to the fact that Rahab lied. They still, as they were working with this woman, she still felt like she didn't or wasn't able to be honest. And so when people talk to her, you start realizing that she's a person who thinks it's okay just to say whatever's on her mind, and if it's not the truth, that's okay. And that got me realizing ultimately why bridges fail and why we as Christians are having a hard time building bridges in our community. It's because we want others to be different than they are. We go to a Rahab and we expect her to be where we want her to be rather than where she is. These guys who got to know Rahab had no problem with the fact that she was dishonest because that was God's business to change that in her life, not theirs. You hearing this? We don't need to change other people. We need to be witnesses to our faith, love other people, share God's love with others, and trust that when we get to know other people and there are things in their lives that we go, I cannot believe that this person does this or lives this way or has this, that's okay because that's not our business to change. It's our business to love and care about people and build the bridges and trust that God's going to do his work in other people's lives. And so even this prostitute, who's also dishonest, who probably had been lied to a million times in her life and had just learned that that's how she lived her life, these guys were okay with that because they saw God working in her life. And now what ends up happening with Rahab, we don't know everything that got her to that point, but we do know the future. She becomes the grandmother of King David the greatest king in the Old Testament. In Matthew chapter 1, I believe it's verse 5, you'll discover that she's in the lineage of our Savior, Jesus. Right there in the midst of it all is Rahab from Jericho. All because people were willing to take a ch chance on her, to love her unconditionally, to reach out to her, to build a bridge, to listen to her, to not change her, to allow her to be who she was and where she was as they shared their faith and they promised to be faithful to her. 
Building bridges is difficult work. It requires that we not judge, we accept others where they are, and we let God do his work as we show up. My dad used to say to me that, you know, the problem with the Christian church is we don't believe in the sovereignty of God. Because if we really believed that God was Lord and sovereign, we would pray to him and we would trust that he would work in people's lives. Instead, what he said, I see everybody doing, is Christians are all trying to manipulate and tell everybody else how to live their life and change it for them, rather than trusting that God will actually do his work. That's what I believe the story of Rahab teaches us. That every single person in every relationship that you and I have, they're sacred relationships. That God has people in your life and my life for a purpose. As we're fond of saying around here, you may be the only Bible that the people you know will ever read. It's our responsibility to be that Bible, to be, build that bridge, and to share God's love in a steady and faithful manner. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your faithfulness in our lives and faithfulness to those that we come in contact with. Help us hear this unusual story of who the first person who comes to faith is. It's not a king, not a town manager, not a school teacher or, or an important celebrity. It's Rahab, a woman who certainly had hurts and pains and all kinds of problems in her life lived about as far away from, from the faith as anybody could, and yet she was open to listening and talking. She wanted to know that those who were talking to her were going to keep their word, and she gave her life to you, and she's transformed. And the Bible reminds us of that, and she becomes a prominent person in our faith. Help us to boldly go from this place to love unconditionally everyone and to quit thinking that we need to judge and, and tell people how to live their life, but rather to love them and share our faith and trust that you're working in their life. And help us view life from that perspective. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.